0: all right hello and welcome everyone to the crystal tablet podcast this is a podcast where we talk about the intersections between politics and spirituality um it's uh pretty exciting this is the first interview uh that i will be conducting uh with my friend sarah beth tins uh, so it's a big step forwards from, you know, just uh, talking into the mic like, to having a genuine conversation. So it's, uh, it's a nice, you know, it's a, big, it's a big deal. You know, maybe it's just a symbolic thing for me as a podcaster, but uh, it's a moment. So anyway, without further ado, let's just jump right in. Um, Sarah Beth Timms has been a professional tarot card reader for 15 years and a student of esoteric, symbolic and consciousness studies. She's also a musician and video artist um, and she resides in Hudson in the upstate New York area. So um, thank you so much for taking the time coming on the podcast and talking to me about these exciting topics. Um, I decided that I want to kind of begin each episode with the same question. Um, So the question is, how did you get into spirituality?
1: All right. Um, let's see. What's the short answer? I'm not sure there is one. Um, I started out as a youth going to church um, with my family. We were brought up Lutheran and um, we did have a really great, I did think we had a great pastor who gave very inspiring um, deliveries regarding the Bible and general human experience. And I always found them very interesting. So that was my first introduction to the Bible and a concept of spirituality. Um, And I did always wonder, though, when everyone was singing and praying, I was always puzzled about why I didn't feel the presence of God or hear God answering me or um, angels or... whatever it was that all of the Christians around me were supposedly interacting with. And um, that experience continued. Um, uh, My first job was at a Christian conference center. And so um, I was always around these big groups of Christians that were kneeling their heads and praying. And I was really very, I felt like something was wrong with me that I didn't connect. And I wanted to connect to this thing called God. Um, so it was kind of like, that was the, that was the beginning. That was the intro to spirituality or that, that there is something called spirituality and something called God or something greater than us. And as I got older and I still didn't find any answers through that, that, um, sort of umbrella of organized religion, then I, Then I started to get sad and angry um, about this whole idea that there's God. And I I became very rebellious against all of that and um, started to see that, you know, the sort of uh, methods of control of organized religion and and started to look into the history of religion and the Bible and how it was formed and realized that it was just a, a bunch of men, mostly documenting stories. And, um, I became a nihilist for a while. I was very, I was very jaded and I didn't believe in anything. And I will say I was very unhappy at that time. I was very bitter. And, um, I went into the, I I found joy and solace in the world of art, creativity, um, and symbolism. And, Through that sort of connection of starting to work with art and archetypes and seeing how there was connection between archetypal imagery in dreams, dream symbolism, and in creative representations throughout history of art and mythology and actual documented um, human experience... I started to see that maybe there was some interconnecting um, mm. interconnecting energy for everything. And then I started to be, come familiar with the idea of, uh, or open to the idea of that perhaps there is an energy that is greater than I am. Perhaps there is something that I won't call spirituality right now, but I'll call energy, which seems to be linking everything together. Um, And from that sort of basis, all these different avenues, that was kind of like formed this tree trunk to uh, um, an idea of where archetypes in the material world and energy um, can be linked. And that can be called many different things, including spirituality. And that sort of started to form my tree of, of reality that led into esoteric studies, alchemy, um, tarot, dream symbolism, uh, into, uh, energy work, healing, Reiki, etc.
0: Cool. Cool. So I yeah. guess there's a few different things that, um, I'm kind of interested in, in following up that came up. Um, You know, one of them is sort of, you know, I think some people look for uh, to be convinced of things in different ways or different kinds of patterns or changes happen, you know, for different people in different ways. When you're talking about these archetypes and these linkages, I guess guess the question I'm asking is, uh, to kind of be a bit more specific, it's like there's there are some people who I think um, have a sort of a poetic or an artistic or sort of a psychological take on things, which is sort of this sort of playing with these different ideas and finding these connections while not necessarily feeling as if that um, runs against the sort of dominant um, worldviews, whether, you know, sort of a secular materialistic kind of context. And it's, and there's a sort of like a comfort with, you know, not necessarily connecting those two wires together and, and sort of finding some questions of you know what what actually is if that's something we can even answer um so i guess i guess you know the, i guess the kind of question is do you feel like these kinds of archetypal experiences or something or or the symbols that come up and and the connections is that is that something that you feel like exists in a in a sort of a metaphysical reality or in a form outside of yourself or are you sort of more towards the um this is the subconscious or some part of mind without necessarily being specific about is that you know happening in the brain or is there some kind of I, mean, I think there's you know a range of questions and, and things in, yeah. in, in there, but I think you can get the idea. Yeah. Like, where, where in the spectrum would you say you fall? And was it like a I need to be convinced of something before I believe this is real, or is that not something that really was a hang up? And had, what was that process like?
1: um Yeah, it was very much uh, for me. There was definitely I do come from a, a skeptic background. I think anyone who ever enters into a point of of nihilism and not believing in anything that's when your your rational mind takes over and starts to run the show and says i don't believe there's anything prove it to me and so i i wanted um i wanted an experience to prove it to me i figured out nobody could tell me anything because reading the bible and stories of miraculous events didn't do it for me and it doesn't do it for a lot of people um so I think that, um, the tarot, actually, I, I have to say, it was a huge, huge gateway for me into proving that there is something beyond my mind's ability to comprehend or explain that is ordering things. So basically there's really no way to, to, to rationally explain why tarot works, Carl Jung said synchronicity, which is the same reason that astrology is said to work, which is that all things at one time, when focused upon, contain meaning in that time that they occur. So essentially, that's like, you could, you could look at anything in a room right now and figure out why the teacup that you're drinking out of (laughs) as relevance to your current experience is essentially what that kind of synchronistic definition of why tarot and and astrology work says. Now that when I started doing tarot I was dragged into a tarot card reading by a friend Mm -hmm. when I was having a difficult time And I had grown up doing a lot of uh, psychotherapy in my life for for various family issues. And I had a 15-minute tarot reading, and it felt like six months of therapy condensed into 15 minutes because she saw all of my archetypal patterns and what it was that my being was wanting to express and what the blockages were and what kind of people were in my life and I was attracting and why. And those are a lot of the things that you deal with in therapy, you know, trying to get in alignment with with what you want and harmony with who you really are. So that sort of um, synchronicity of tarot really drew me in. And then I started playing with tarot and it kept working. You know, I kept reading for my friends and then I was working in the fields of uh, digital video at the time, but I was a little burnt out on it. And um, I kept getting deeper into the esoteric world. That's where my focus was. And a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to apply for a job at a place where she was reading tarot and doing astrology. And I thought that was bananas. My rational mind thought it was bananas. But then I just didn't want to go deeper into the technical world that I was in. So I just said, what the hell, why not? And I did it for two years. I worked full time as a tarot reader. And it just like it broke my mind open every day. Every time I would give a tarot reading, I would literally be like, Oh, it worked again. Oh my God, it worked again. Like these, these symbols are lining up as a map for whatever this person is going through. And I'm just reading the story that's in front of me. And it's right, you know, and I couldn't explain that. And I could never explain it. So essentially, I started, you know, I had all kinds of theories about what it was. There's lots of theories. People say, oh, it's your guides. It's your guides and it's their guides. And I had all these different ideas about, um, at first I thought that was crazy. And I thought, no, there's no guides. It's just your higher self. It's your higher conscious self. But as I went through my process of being exposed to different modalities of ceremonial magic and healing arts, healing magic, I started to realize, I heard this I heard this quote um, by Neville Goddard, who was a metaphysical um, teacher, I'll call him, and he basically said that your imagination is God. And I realized that there are so many different perspectives. There's so many different lenses and so many different ways to see things and explain things that I really do think that that's pretty accurate, that each one of our imaginations um, serves as our God. And if we, in our imagination, decide that there is no God, then the universe will prove that, uh, as it did to me when I was an atheist and a, an illist. And the world was very cold and dead. And when I started to open up to more, it grew and grew and grew, like a like tree. Um, and, and now I live in a world that can go back into that, uh, tiny space of nihilism, which is very cold and dark. It's like a little room or it can go into the places of wh- which may be called insanity where like every single thing has consciousness and there's all these different beings that can talk to you if you want them to, you know, so I also um, think with the imagination as God, I look at the idea, you know, where we are scientifically speaking right now in terms of what we know about reality and particles versus quantum waves. You know, there was like the the double slit experiment, I think it was called, that revealed that uh, a particle is only a particle when we're observing it. And when we're not observing it, it acts as a quantum wave, which is no longer solid. It's part of a quantum field. So in essence, every archetypal pattern you see connects with many different things through synchronicity because of the quantum field, which connects every particle to every other particle. Um, Is that answering the question? Yeah, no, that's that's awesome.
0: I think there's a lot of different threads to pick up on um, I think, you know, there's definitely a part of the conversation where I'm interested in kind of um, throwing around some of the sort of uh, the skeptical sort of responses or the pushback or why people um, can be ser- sort of resistant. Um, and so the sort of the, the quantum physics conversation leads in that direction. So maybe we can pick up that in a little bit. But what I'm, I'm interested in is so, you know, I've I've read a little bit about people who do dowsing and, uh, you know, there's a little bit of I've had some intuitive readings in the past mm-hmm. that have been um, Honestly, unremarkable, you know, I'm definitely very open yeah. and I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I have, I have a metaphysical view, of course, I'm definitely not uh, concealing that on this podcast. So it's kind of like my point mm-hmm. of point of view is definitely, you know, part of the thesis. And, and so I'm not like pretending to be some kind of like unbiased, like I'm just asking questions. But I think that like, despite me feeling like, um, very comfortable with that being my worldview that doesn't mean that on a specific basis I find uh intuitive readings at all persuasive it's like yes mm-hmm. but also you know and I think that this is a completely different topic but it's one of the things that you know I got really fascinated in spiritualism actually speaking of I you know I I, I really appreciate Mitch Horowitz a lot who and his books about Neville Goddard have um
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: have been on my list of like oh, I gotta I gotta Got to jump on this as soon as possible because it seems like a a really beautiful concept to explore. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think one of the interesting questions that comes up is, you know, I spent a long time studying, studying spiritualism, and you know, one of the things that you know, one of the critiques of spiritualism is that you know, when you kind of turn on the receiver. Uh, You know, I guess we're kind of skipping past the whole question of, you know, what are spirits? Are there spirits after life, past life? Because I think that's kind of like the second you say my spirit guides, you're already making Mm -hmm. a lot of different metaphysical, you know, baked into that statement are a huge number of metaphysical propositions that there are Mm -hmm. spirits, that we have spirit guides. And if so, then we're spirits and not bodies. And if so, then, you know, perhaps we're in these multiple incarnations that are, in parallel or they're sequential you know so it's kind of like just by saying i have a, a spirit guide that 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 already contains within it all these different propositions that often i feel like just don't really get discussed you're like oh yeah spirit right. guides okay cool right. and then it kind of just like you know you're not i think the people who are in just separate rooms right the kind of people who are like that's ridiculous explain me explain to me how that makes any sense and the people who are like oh yeah my spirit guides are just you know they're probably not going to meet at a party, right? So it's kind of like right, a lot of those true. things just don't really ever get explored, and I think that's you know part of my interest is in having those conversations, as long as it can be in good faith, and I think that that is right. um, sometimes is not the case, and it can be, and it's it's arranged. But um, right. coming kind of back a little bit to the the uh, kind of intuitive experience you know one of the things about you know spiritualism and and the and the contact with spirits that was alleged and you know i personally believe in but i'm not you know trying to fight anyone about it we could just say that Mm -hmm. that that is the experience Oh, was that was the phenomenon take it or leave it in that context there's an encounter with all these different spiritual beings and so the later critiques of course are like you can't believe a single thing they're saying. And it's a, it's a common phrase now for people kind of inside of the esoteric world, but it's kind of like, do you just like go out in, in, in the middle of New York city and start asking a random person, like what you you know, about your dead relatives and what your purpose right. in life is. It's kind of like, you know, right. and, and so it's kind of like, there's that sort of, you're putting, you're putting out a microphone and you don't necessarily uh, know what's, what's going to answer. And, and there's been a lot of sort of, um, you know, thing, things that are in, inconsistent in channeling material that, Uh, seem like confusing and contradictory and it's like are these these are some kind of entities that uh, clearly are very capricious and have a lot of um, are having having poking some fun at people if if not if not something more more sinister and and you know sometimes it's very persuasive material and you know so Mm -hmm. there's there's, it's open-ended but I guess to kind of come back to the question, I think when you're describing this experience reading, and one of the things that, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is I feel like there are some tarot card readers who I think don't really, I guess, I guess I'm interested in that in that, in that that leap where the cards are opening up some larger part of yourself that you're acting as a sort of an intermediary, which I think moves a little bit more mm-hmm. in the direction of like mediumship in a way. Right. And I think that I'm very curious about um, you know, what is that experience like? And then also, I feel like there's, there's a lot of interesting questions around how do you check yourself? How do you know, how do you, how do you tune in in a way that feels authentic? And like, are there like, what are the sen what is this, what is the process to kind of feel confident that you're accessing something that feels reliable? And I think that, I imagine there is a, I, I imagine you notice that. So I'm just kind of curious to like explain, like um, what what is that experience like? Was it a, a was it immediate? Was it sort of like, you're not certain. You're, yeah. Just what is what is it like overall?
1: Yeah. So um, in the beginning, when I started reading tarot, it was it was all very intellectual to me, and it was all very learning what the pictures on the cards meant and just literally looking at the different pictures and how they fit together and how they made a story to me. And so I would use my rational mind to put those things together. And I honestly, for a very long time, I didn't feel like anything spiritual was going on. Um, It took me a really long time to, the more I started to trust in the process just by doing it more and more and more, Um, the more I started to let go of the rational problem-solving program that would turn on in my brain and let thoughts start to freely flow through. So basically, when it turned into more of a spiritual aspect for me is when I was doing it a whole lot, at a place called House of Intuition in Los Angeles. And um, I started to realize I just wasn't thinking anymore. And it was like I was being talked, not, not that I was, so more along the lines of mediumship, but I was, nobody else was talking for me, but like words, words would just come out of my mouth and I wouldn't know, I would have no idea where I got that idea, okay? but it would completely align with what the client was going through. And that's when I started to get a lot better at readings as well. When, um, my rational mind got out of the way and I still would rely on the pictures for cues, but then things I had never learned conclusions, um, regarding the pictures. Uh, so take, um, take like 5 of pentacles as a tarot card for instance and the traditional meaning is adversity and when i was reading about it one day um, i was like there's like two people and they're struggling and they're on crutches and they're outside of a church window and all of a sudden information came through about drug addiction and it was like oh there's there's addicts here there's some drug addic- there's drug addicts or drug addiction and the person was going trying to go through a process of being sober and so then i started to learn oh that the cards will give you additional information that you've never ever learned about if you just let the thoughts flow through um if if that makes sense and even that is not you don't even have to call that spiritual that could literally just be your intuition which One could argue about for eternity whether that's spiritual or not, Um, but uh, that's really essentially how it how it got spirit how it got spiritual for me, and that was about a process of surrender, Um, and that actually led me to the process of being able to do mediumship, what's considered mediumship. speaking with the other side, which I don't really enjoy doing very much. It's a very intense experience. Um, and also, uh, in regards to that, I was very skeptical about that too, but I was working at house of intuition with several mediums. And, um, one of them came to me when my stepfather had passed and she said, I think someone is trying to, to get to you. I've been trying to, um, drive to work and there's been this man in my car and he just wants to talk to you and he died of a heart attack and my stepfather had recently passed and i realized that that was him so um and he had some messages for me that were in alignment with with uh, our experience when he was living so um with that even though my rational mind said well you know you may not be actually accessing um, a, a spirit on the other side. You may be accessing a memory bank of that spirit from the other side. You may be just downloading a memory bank from a consciousness that existed that's imprinted on the astral. So you can really you can really frame things however you want. And I think what's important is. Uh, to stay open and to go with, to go with what feels right for you. And, and also t- to have fun. Like there's this idea that like with spirituality that it has to be so serious. And I used to be very serious and kind of austere about it and and I thought it was so ridiculous when I heard about like psychics talking to guides and I was like that's such crap like you're you're literally just talking to yourself and then once I got deeper into it and I started to have these these guides form and, and see guides in my consciousness through meditations and whatnot I thought well this is so much fun this is so much fun, and, and I feel less alone, and I'm just going to roll with it. Why not? If it's a part of myself, it doesn't matter. If I'm accessing an actual mm-hmm. dead spirit on the other side, or it's some sort of memory box on the astral plane, that doesn't matter either, because whatever I'm accessing is helping the client I'm talking to have a better understanding of the consciousness of the person who left and what that relationship is. So basically what it comes down to me is, is is it helpful? Is it helpful in the experience of growth for the person, um, the client or the friend that I'm trying to to help? Is that information providing them with something that opens doors, um, helps them move on, helps them find peace um essentially gotcha cool
0: that's that is a a great explanation and i think that um you know i think that there's you know this is still the very beginning of this podcast and i think that kind of to go back a little bit to you know what the idea is here i think that it's i think i would mentioned before but i think that in general you know the idea is that there is a world of people who are spiritual there's a world of people who are political and those worlds don't seem to really converge a whole whole lot. I think that there is a lot of different ways that you can define those two categories. So, you know, the definitions mm-hmm. have a lot to do with it. Um, but I think that, you know, so so in, in I guess what I'm getting at is that depending on who's listening, you know, I hope that people who are um, on both ends of that spectrum eventually engage with the podcast and each interview, I think will will move in different directions that orients around some yeah. of these themes. So uh-huh. I guess you know the, the 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 response that I think you know what you expressed. I think a lot of people would say where it's kind of like when you're when you're actually in the middle of doing that kind of work, it's really about you know is this helpful, is this constructive, and I think that um, you know in, in a lot of ways, what what more do you need to add, right? Like if it works, it works, and that's great. I think that um, just to kind of keep keep the conversation uh, keep try to find the things that are interesting, I think it's kind of like, well, what if you go beyond that and start to think about how how does that correlate to the things that are accepted or not accepted in the larger world? And I think that, you know, of course, one part of it is um, we clearly live in a society that, you know, of course there there are pockets where you know religious belief is, is obviously the norm, and, and, and there are pockets where that's sort of the opposite. But in general, I would say that you know that there's there's a good amount of resistance even now to, you know, accepting that there's a reality to some of the experiences that you're describing, and I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of tension points, um, and I think that it, you know I think the the practical answer is. Um, why, why get in the, in the middle of this, right? It is. It, is, it seems uh-huh. like a lot of people yelling at each other and not really listening, and it seems very divisive, and all those things are the case. <clears throat> but I think, you know, just some of the, the research that, that I've done and some of the things that I've found really inspiring, you know, the, especially in the context of, let's say, witchcraft, right? Like, there's this kind of yes. story of um, these sort of herbal healers being... Um, being ostracized and punished and of course you know there's the burning times and that whole thing but just Uh more recently there's definitely a there there there's a um there's a targeting and there's an attack and i think that uh getting getting into the meat of that is something i really want to engage with because i I find it sometimes frustrating Uh where i feel like the some some of these kinds of modalities like what you're describing it's like well if this is very helpful then why can't we have a greater acceptance of this but many of Uh the institutions where Uh, an acceptance of that might become possible are not receptive for a variety of reasons and there's definitely a pretty Mm -hmm. significant worldview divide there that does seem like a pretty big hang-up it it doesn't seem plausible to me that you know you could go to a university setting and say hey like you know there's this intuitive voice and and, uh, conscious knowledge of this person's issues that i'm accessing uh, can we just roll with it? Right. Like it, it doesn't really seem right. like we live in a world where, you know, there's definitely been some shifts because of the sort of wave of, you know, psychedelic science and the MDMA studies. You know, there's definitely a little bit. Whatnot, right. But I think, you know, not not for this conversation, but one of my uh, a fr- uh, someone who I know um, who's been really engaged in that subject is going to be coming on the podcast pretty soon. And um,
1: oh, I'd love to hear.
0: It. Yeah, I think it'll be a really lovely conversation because, um, you know, one of the things mm-hmm. that I found really frustrating about that movement is that it just feels like it's it's the cat is like getting out of the bag and then we're like let's put the mm-hmm. cat back in the bag so that we can we can keep it around you know so it's kind of like a right. lot of the things that make the possibility of a sort of a liberation of consciousness at least that's how I think of it that it becomes possible mm-hmm. those experiences is then being brought into a clinical setting which to me kind of uh-huh. runs the back back the other way it's like we just got got to the yeah. point where we could start to have a more expanded concept of what we are who we are and what's possible and then we're like all right let's go right. and stick this in a lab and put it in a pill form and feed it back into the structures of capitalism that uh you know i find it really destructive and and, and and that tension and, the, and right. the lack of resistance to that is really heartbreaking because i think that it just you know when when you have some of these deep meaningful experiences with plant medicines or what have you i think it's for me it's really hard to see that because there's just a, a when you're when you're when you're coming out of the depth of that experience and then you're like oh my god you know how, how is it how is it like this I think it can be really right. challenging and so I think that um mm-hmm. you know part of what I'm interested in is what would you you know it, it feels like an argument needs to be made, right? So if in terms of widening from people have these individual practices that in many instances are pretty successful and there is a pretty, you know, when people are looking for tarot card reading, you know, people Uh can find it. It's not as if there's some kind of barrier to access in that sense, but there is definitely a big cognitive leap in terms of these two different worlds. And so I'm kind of wondering, do do you, you encounter and I think you know one way that we can encounter this is you know having arguments with like skeptical friends or or you know those things will come yeah. up and you're like well I don't believe in God and I do like there's these kinds of things where you know those are places where those conversations happen. I guess the question right. is. Um, Have those arguments come up for you? What are some of the ways in which you address that? And then I guess, you know, are there people who, which I find sometimes, who have a lot of shared values? You know, like you believe in some of the same things. For me, it's mostly political, but when it gets to Uh our beliefs about consciousness The gap is very wide and it's kind of hard because i just feel like there are a lot of conversations that can't happen because there's such a differing view so i guess there's kind of two questions you know how how do you engage with if there is an argument to be had or this could be like a skeptical client that you're dealing with you know so i I, whatever example Mm -hmm. fits for for that question how do you engage with people who do have a lot of hang-ups and then how do you sort of cross the bridge and, and what are some of the things that you feel like have worked for people who are resistant and then if, if you want to keep run with that theme, then is there, is there a way in which these kinds of tensions you see crossing over into the wider conversation of, you know, how, how as a society we encounter some of these kinds of, um, I guess, metaphysical ideas for lack of a better description. <laughs>
1: Right, right. Um, okay, so I, th- I have a lot of thoughts. Let me just start off with one and, and I'll run from there. Um, so I think pretty early on in my, my metaphysical explorations, coming from a very rigid intellectual perspective and then opening up to the metaphysical world, um, I started to realize that one of my jobs in life was to be a bridge between the two. Um, and to be able to see things from all perspectives and to realize that polarity is necessary for existence. Um, so, basically, the forces of yin and yang, dark and light, all of that, um, left and right, etc., they're all necessary for existence and um, they can work in harmony um, when they're flowing in sort of this infinity loop and you know you've got a a bit of a a blend a dance you you have to have movement though and you have to have Flexibility um, for polarities to work in harmony. And when they become enemies of each other, you have the polarities pulling further and further apart until they essentially, the, the unity snaps, and then you just have chaos. Um, and so, really, my goal has always been you know, there is sort of a materialist versus spirituality. And I've always thought, well, I, I really think it just depends on what lens you pick up and you are wearing. And it's really hard for anyone to argue with that. You can say from a materialist perspective... I think that you're crazy for believing in these invisible things which cannot be proven. And then the spiritual person can say, well, I think you're really limited for not believing in those things which every, every human culture and society has believed in throughout history until very very recently and you can argue with each other all that you want but it's not gonna it's not gonna get us anywhere it's just gonna create more tension which eventually is gonna create a break which is gonna create chaos and i am all for creating harmony so i've had some i've had very really lucky i've had very few people um come at me with a confrontational attitude regarding my, my beliefs and practices. Um, when I was reading tarot full time, I did have, I've had exactly two clients who have said, uh, I don't, I don't think this is right. I I think you're just, you know, I I think you're just BSing me. Um, after I pulled a few cards like anyone could put that information together and I said, well, okay. Um, I will be happy to give you your money back if we continue this reading, and in ten minutes you still think I'm BSing you. And when it came, when when they realized I wasn't trying to be a con artist in both cases, um, they realized that there was something to it, and and we did we did the readings. Um, so, I in terms of yeah in terms of opposition, I think also. I am definitely, uh, my model of reality, you know, is based on things that are considered nonsense to many people, including astrology. And my personal astrology includes a lot of Mercury, who's Toth, who's Hermes, Trismegistus, who is, I'm I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, which I do with everything, but um, he's a trickster. And so the trickster is a chameleon and can shapeshift to any situation and so for my my particular role the goal is always to for me not always but most of the time it's to create some sort of harmony how can i see what you're seeing how can i how can i come to your level um of of what you believe and what you see and still be of authentic version of myself and there is always that because I, I have to come back again to the, the, tree, the tree analogy and the your imagination is God um, idea because in my personal experience when I believed only in intellectual concepts which um, certainly is aligned with politics. Politics are are based on concepts and ideas, essentially, is what, and, and beliefs that go with those concepts and ideas, all rational things. Um, and so when I only believed in those things from the intellectual world, I felt like I had kind of a blueprint for reality, like ingredients for reality, but it felt very limited to me. It felt like a seed And when I started to break through that beyond the laws of the rational world, I started to feel like I was um, getting my reality, my conscious view was turning into a tree, which connected up into what I would consider the heavenly realm or the infinite realm, the cosmic realm. Um, And so I think that I, I can go to any part on that tree. And it, it also, it connects to like, you know, I won't get into Kabbalah but too deeply, but I know that you've probably studied it and studying symbolism and, and tarot. And the, the lower level of the tree where the roots start to go into the ground, that's the earth realm. And the highest level of the realm, the, the tree, is the heaven realm, which connects to the infinite um, creative, um, portal of consciousness. So I think that, um, it's advisable to learn, to navigate the whole, the whole tree essentially of consciousness and what reality can be. But a lot of people want to stay in, in the rational. And I don't judge that I've, I've been there to me. It feels small and it feels limiting, but for a lot of people, it feels safe and it feels secure. It feels stable. It feels in alignment with a solid structure. And I understand why people want that. Because once you leave it, 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 can, get, it can get dangerous, um, honestly, for your psyche. And you can, people have lost their minds and had psychic breaks with reality when they start to leave that structure behind, uh, especially if they do it without a guide or any training. So I get why uh, most of the world today lives in that um, materialist, rational perspective. But in regards to politics, I was speaking with a yoga instructor friend of mine who was pointing out that in his opinion, people, humans, humans are ultimately religious creatures. And throughout history, we have created religious mythologies Uh, Again, this recent history of the last few hundred years where materialism has become very prevalent um, is probably the first documented time in uh, conscious human existence that a lot of the population has no religion. And I think that politics have replaced that religious fervor that the human soul or the human being uh, craves to be a part of, um, because, you know, in every sort of religious story or mythology, there's always a battle. There's always a battle. There's always dark and light. There's always positive, negative. Ultimately, what it is, is a microcosm of what reality is made out of. And I think that that would be a helpful thing for everyone to realize, especially when we are really politically minded on the left or right, um, to realize that we are engaging in a, a battle of all time that's existed since he, human awareness um, was a was a thing.
0: Hmm. Um so there's a bunch of different interesting sort of follow up questions there and I'm kind of trying to choose, pick out which one it seems like the, the one to run with, I guess. Okay. Um, so I definitely want to kind of pick up on the, on the politics thing a little bit, um, but before that, I guess, um, you know, just this is a, a pretty brief one, just cause I'm curious to hear you, in, in your words, I think we probably are, are referencing the same overall material, but I would say that when we're talking about these like different consciousness realms, um, where, where, what's your stance in terms of um, incarnations, life after death, and, and that type of thing? Um, is that something that you um, tend to lean towards, or is it sort of not super relevant? I think it's sort of, um, the reason I bring it up is primarily because, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, these issues of, you know, climate change, and there's a lot of just, you know, we're in a pretty fragile and, and wild place. mm mm-hmm. um, in terms of just where we are as a planet and it does feel like in our lifetimes we'll see what what direction things are going to go and then that could Mm -hmm. be extinction and that could be Mm -hmm. something really positive and and you know uh more likely something in the middle but uh despite a lot of optimism it it does seem like a it does it can be very demoralizing at times it doesn't quite feel like the um potential of transformation can get very far right so i kind of think you know, when we're thinking about spiritual themes and looking at things from a wider view, sometimes there's this kind of thinking like, well, okay, like, if you step back far enough, we're all part of this sort of cosmic process. And I think yeah. that that can be in some ways really um, a relief, you know, and being yeah. like, mm-hmm. okay, like I'm, I, I, I can only imagine what it would be like to be someone who is convinced that, you know, um, life on earth is the only life in the universe and that, you know, this is like, this is everything. Right. I mean, that kind of existential anxiety to me would be so crippling. And I just, I I can't imagine being, you know, that was my worldview a very long time ago. I also had a realistic phase when I was in high school and I came out of it, but you know, clearly there's this kind of sense of, um, this is all we got. And I think that if that Mm -hmm. helps you to be more conscientious of um, why we should take care of this planet, then you do you. But it also feels (laughs) like um, a profoundly limiting and really a hard place to be. And I think a lot of people are encountering that. So I guess Mm -hmm. the kind of question is to me is like, it almost feels like it's, it's not a big deal in a way, but it also is a big deal. And I think that it's not really a super clear question so i apologize i'm trying to find the right wording for it but it's kind of like something like um the significance of these struggles that we're facing as a planet look a different way depending on whether you put on the materialistic glasses or the more spiritual glasses and it's kind Mm -hmm. of like there's a way in which maybe there's a bit more of a what is my personal story in this time that um has a lot of lessons to teach. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that's one side of it, at least kind of paraphrasing how I'm thinking of it. And then the other side is a little bit more like, this is an existential fight for you know the only sentient beings in the entire universe that we know of. And right, you know, right, I right. think that um, the, the kind of, what I'm trying to get at is I feel like on the one hand, that materialistic frame, I just think is not actually true. On the other hand, I think the spiritual frame can really let you off the hook, you know what I mean, in the sense Mm -hmm. that there's some spiritual Mm -hmm. belief systems that have this sort of like, we're not going to get involved in what happens in the world because we're busy, Mm. you know, transcending to some other layer of being. And that just, Mm -hmm. to me, feels, I I really revolt against that. It's not Mm -hmm. something that I am particularly comfortable with. I think that if anything we should be more engaged with the world because we have this sense of, of something larger. You know, I think that, that, mm-hmm. that's more, more where I go with it, but I kind of, I wonder your thoughts on, how, you know, what, what is it, are you, like, is there anxiety about where we are right now and how is it affected by those different views? Because it, it's a pretty scary time right now in a lot of ways yeah. from a lot of perspectives. And I don't think yes. that being afraid is constructive, right? I think that having right. something to keep you going is really important. But also, yes. like, we're looking at a pretty dire set of circumstances economically yeah. and, and in terms of our ecosystems. And it does feel mm. like this is this decade is the time to figure out what's going to happen. And and mm. the longer that things don't get figured out, the, mm-hmm. the chances that we can write the course, whatever that means, yeah. really <laughs> diminishes pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Well, so ultimately, I think that um, the all the fear that you speak of about the state of the world. um, I think that it all comes down to a fear of death. And um, if you can accept and uh, reconcile your own fear of death and find peace with that, I believe that you can then find peace with mm, the concept of death for the species or for anything. Now, if you look at how, energy works. Energy doesn't die. You know, I think it's what the second law of thermodynamics or something, um, that energy can't be destroyed. And when you look at what we are, we're energy. Um, and we're, we're energy with consciousness. And I think that if you are purely materialist and you don't, you believe that your energy just goes out like a light bulb when you, when you die, um, I, I don't know how one finds peace with that or or rational um uh, rational evidence for why why one should even be alive. I didn't I didn't really find much with that. So energy, thinking of energy really started to to give me peace. And in terms of that, I want to go back to that. We as a society now, because we don't celebrate the exit from life, as we celebrate the entrance into life, say birth is the entrance into what we call life on earth form, we don't celebrate or really ritualize um, in a, a very positive way, though it's changing as far as like wakes go and um, people getting more more conscious about the death process um, and taking fear away from the death process, which also um, is could get into another deeply conscious discussion regarding psychedelics and stuff like that, which are very helpful in releasing fear of death for for people who are essentially on their deathbed on the way out. But um, uh, essentially back to sort of the the question about, Um, it started off with talking about reincarnation. um, And absolutely, I believe in reincarnation. And I also believe in uh, multidimensionality. I think that uh, also we know now that time is a dimension. So those incarnations of yourself are really technically, if you take away the illusion of linear time, they are all accessible to you in consciousness. So once you start breaking through those walls, which people do through, you know, in the world I live in, the metaphysical world, people do past life regressions to connect with past life or even you can do a future life it's not a regression but a future life connection to connect with a future version of yourself Um, and you can uh, then start to realize that this moment in time although it is the most important thing and the only real thing for your observable consciousness at this time it's Part of a bigger picture of who you are and what you are. But let's take it back down a notch because that's all pretty out there. If you're not into any of those concepts, I think that what can be accessed in this very difficult time is the creative principle of harmony, and building, rather than the principle of resistance. We live in a world that has been governed by patriarchal concepts, which is yang energy. It's forced, it's masculine, it's fight. Um, the yin is the receptive. What do you do with receptive? You nurture, you care, you love, and also when you have that healthy balance of The receptive feminine and the creative masculine, you build balanced structures. So, in our daily lives, in our microcosm of community and family, what we can do in this time is we can build in a way that feels responsible to us. How are we caring for the earth? How are we caring for our families? How are we caring for our communities? Um, Come back really to the basics because really all we have is a very small amount of time on this earth say that we live till we're a hundred years old even that is a very very tiny amount of time and even if we are going to become extinct say in a hundred years or even less we don't know that you know some some asteroid could come and just knock us all out at any any moment's notice Um, so I think the most important thing is to think about how you're feeling in your role in your life and what you are fostering are you and what you're reflecting in yourself too because we all have conflict and we all have inner conflict and The world, I don't think it needs a lot more conflict right now. I don't think that is the ultimate solution. I don't think fighting the status quo is the ultimate solution because it's too big. I think what we need to do now is we need to be builders and we need to find places and people that align with our values and we need to build with them new structures, which are in harmony with the environment of the world we want to create and care for.
0: Um, cool. I So I, I have one very sort of playful question and then one more sort of more practical question. Um, you okay. Can try one and then the other or one and okay. or whatever whatever works but basically the more playful sure. question is you know I, I am a, a pretty active or becoming more active but I'm a socialist and so that means that mm-hmm. you know the Bernie Sanders platform is is largely what I what I stand behind and and mm-hmm. you know personally um, you know I have a lot of ambivalence around the healthcare care system um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to I tend to be for me spending time in nature and just being very self-aware of of um, how I'm feeling for me has been my approach to my own well-being for the most part. And so I've been fortunate to not have some kind of acute illness. So, I, you know, I, I have my own conception of what works for me. I have mm-hmm. not found a huge amount of benefit from therapy, though it has been mm-hmm. helpful at times. In general, mm-hmm. it's out of reach because it's too expensive. And the options yeah. that are available through, you know, the healthcare that has been available to me has been uh, pretty insignificant. Right. So it's kind of like. Yeah. I, On one level, I want to be there because I understand for many people healthcare is an enormous issue. For me personally, um, it's just, it hasn't really been a thing, you know? And I I just, I'm I'm very Mm -hmm. happy not going to doctors and I, I don't want anyone to tell me you know, how to take care of my body, and I want to just solve my own Mm. problems. And if I'm ever in Mm -hmm. a place where I have to do something else, then I will take that as it comes and and really just hope that um, I can keep on rolling the way I'm rolling, because I I do think it has, it's been very rewarding for me. That being said, you know, one of the playful things that I think about is uh, I want to be active in, you know, we should have universal health care. I think that's a pretty Mm -hmm. clear thing Uh, from just on so many levels. And so, you know, even though it's not on my behalf in so many ways, I certainly want to find ways to help advocate for that and, and, you know, see what I can do. There are other issues that it's just it's hard because, you know, I I feel conflicted, but I also really believe that everyone deserves care. And that's that's a pretty unifying issue that a lot of people Mm. can get behind. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, I think the playful part of the question is, I've sometimes wondered, and my kind of joke is, can we have you know state-sponsored you know turmeric facilities, or you know, like there's a certain uh, yeah. kind of like um the playful question is, I don't know, and it, it can get really gnarly because obviously when we come to things like homeopathy or energy, I mean, there's a lot of there's really vitriolic, divisive conversations around mm. what is part mm-hmm. of the program and what yeah. can be included as medicine, and I think right. I just want to kind of try to avoid those. Those holes as much as I can because yeah. a lot of people, if I have an audience, will you know? it's just, especially in the in in the coronavirus era, it's it's mm, especially mm-hmm. challenging to have those Absolutely. conversations. So, mm-hmm. with that in mind, however, I guess I kind of wanted to throw out this sort of imagination is you know there's all these cool modalities. Is there a version of a healthcare system where I could go and get a reading from you, or I could go you know like I think I kind of think mm-hmm. that you know let's just be free and imagine, like, let's say you can get the healthcare you want for me, that Mm -hmm. would be aligned with what works for me. Let's say that was available. And so I kind of wonder just uh, as a, as a sort of a playful imagination exercise, you know, do you see what would a world look like where some of the things that um, work for you would be part of healthcare, you know, what would that mean? And then the second question I think is a different version of the same, same kind of theme, but it's more like, when you're talking about some of these kinds of um, ways that we can connect to ourselves and people around mm-hmm. us and communities in my opinion you know one of the biggest barriers is you know the capitalist economic system that we live inside of and i think that when i have been around people who want to try something different it so often just folds back into the same challenges of like uh. you want to buy land well how do you get the land you know it's kind of like right, there's, right. it's i think it's easy to say let's build something different But when we're existing in this context where the capitalist structure that we live inside has an incredible power to um, consume or uh, sort of grow around everything that seems outside of it, how do we Mm -hmm. reconcile that? So those are two questions. The healthcare, playful one, and then the sort of like, what do we do about the fact that we are in a system that does seem pretty pervasive? And how how, (sighs) that that can be a barrier. And what are your thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. Um, So I definitely don't have a good, well-thought-out conclusion regarding societal structure, economics, etc. I definitely believe that uh, the capitalist system at this stage of humanity is detrimental to uh, human uh, wellness overall. Um, I think that uh, humanity is in no way responsible enough with um, financial power and resources in order for there not to be a incredible imbalance created between the classes. With And that's exactly what's going on, you know, with the middle class disappearing and uh, the gap between the rich and the poor getting bigger and bigger, and and our healthcare systems being um, influenced by massive corporations, big pharma, etc. Um, so, absolutely, in the ideal world that I would see, um, it would we would need to return to smaller. Smaller communities and leaderships. Not that there wouldn't be an overarching country, state, etc. Um, but in order for things like, like say, you know, the closest thing I compare it to, but this is not, this is not, it's not well, it's not well done how it's done now. It's like, you know, every every society should have something like social workers to just. Make sure that everyone is doing okay. That the families are doing okay. That everyone is getting what they need. And absolutely, if I was in charge, I would say that uh, Reiki is available, Tarot is available, all of that stuff is funded by your local government to help you grow and understand what you are, who you are, what you need, etc. Holistic healthcare. Um, all of those things would certainly be included in um, in my ideal world. Um, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's naive and playful. Maybe it is, but the Dalai Lama said the Western woman would would heal the world or would save the world, and I do think a lot of that comes down to um, not to talk too much in terms of of sexuality. Women, woman versus man, but the feminine principle does tend to think, uh, in a more holistic perspective, um, connecting to things rather than just, uh, rational numbers and steps, which is more of a masculine way of thinking, which has gotten us into a, where we are now. Um, and then the second question was, um, Let's see here, it was the, what was the second question?
0: It was it's sort of along the lines of um, you know how, it, the ways in which um, people trying to step outside of the current system we live in, it seems like a lot of things get folded back into it. And so I think that um, there is a challenge there. It's sort, of, it's sort of like when we're trying to make things different or start something new, so so many times things just feel like they feed back into what's already there and so I'm I'm totally hundred oh, percent right. with you with the whole you know creation rather than resistance and I think that, that that's been a really huge turnaround in my own life where more and more I'm like okay I know a lot of the stuff that I'm against, but what am I trying to make what am I creating and it's been it's been you know yeah. part of getting to a place where I could actually say like hey I can do my podcast you know what right. I mean like that that's a very mm-hmm. for me it's a really creative place that I'm in now and, and I think that's yeah really it was a very long process to really unpack my own sort of fixation or uh, (laughs) I was reading the book about codependency and I was, uh, you know, there's a certain kind of like existing in response to what I don't want to be a part of. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's, it's
0: challenging. It's been really hard, but it's been really, really, truly so rewarding. And I feel like everything that I'm doing is a sort of creative path that also in moments has that resistance as well. So it's kind of, for me, it's like finding that balance and, 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 you know whatever works but um but yeah I think that's that's sort of the question of like how, how do you, how do you it seems like a tough knot on to tie like you try to do something different and then it gets kind of pulled back into the system that we already have and so then right. it sort of to me almost circles back to the same question of well you got to encounter the resistance because if you don't I've just seen it happen so often in different situations yeah. where mm-hmm. people think they're being different but you know, we can tell it spiritual bypass or the shadow material or what have you but I've just seen things seem remarkably like the things that they're saying they're not and I think it does right it happens not only because of capitalism but that does seem to be a pretty huge factor there's just this you got to make money to survive and that has a corrosive effect on a lot of ideas that seem like they would move in other directions.
1: Um, I I agree with that, and I've also seen what you're talking about in the spiritual world, for sure, and the sort of tarot reading and metaphysical, witchy world, all of that stuff uh, has become very capitalized, and due to that, it's become very watered down, in my opinion, um, as a a movement, I would say. Um, But I think that a lot of people... Uh, the, the people who are going to support the watered-down versions are the people who are only ready for that watered-down version and the people that are going to find the pure version are the people that are ready for that pure version. So I do think that you're correct about the capitalist society sort of taking all of the pure ideas and integrating it and uh, uh, maybe maybe polluting it, sullying it, or what what have you. Um But I think that that system um, is ultimately not a system that can go on because it's devouring everything, and it's eventually going to devour itself, in my personal opinion. Um, And I don't, we could spend a whole hour on that topic alone. Um, But I think that they're working from limited ideas because when they're not working with their own, ideas and they're just taking from the creators on the outskirts or the underground or whatever it may be. They're working in a limited place that values a rational economic system that is solid and unchanging, which means that it cannot grow and ultimately it's going to collapse at some point um, because it, it's finite. It's finite. And the people that are working on the outskirts um from the creative coming up with new ideas, new ways to live, new <clears throat> models um that are imbalanced to them, new <laughs> podcast <laughs> topics, etc. Um you're working from the infinite because you're coming up with your own idea from your own inner source of creativity. Um and so there's really no comparison, there's really no need to even um There's no need to worry about it, in my opinion. Um, I think that over time, things take care of themselves. Even the process of destruction that we have to go through as collective humanity, which we're going through now all together with um, the environmental changes and the diseases, however you want to frame that, those are all part of the greater alchemical transformative uh, process of human evolution. Destruction is part of the game. So I think the, the sooner that we, we realize that it's all a flow energy is always flowing that the less we fear and the more we can just focus on uh, uh, creating what it is that makes us, makes us feel joy and abundant and purposeful in our little microcosmic world.
0: Um, on that on that wonderful cheerful note, I think um, I feel like we're, we're rounding out the hour, and and um, I don't have any burning questions to follow up with. So I, I really love that that idea of drawing upon the infinite and. Um, I don't know. I think I'm I'm, I'm personally kind of, uh, I, I just feel like I go back and forth between really believing that this sort of inner creative process is very meaningful, and I do. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it just feels like uh, such a, a a woo, you know, which I, you know, I like the word woo. I, I embrace the word woo. So to me, I, I reject the derogatory associations, but it does feel yeah. a little bit woo even for me. And I'm like, maybe I should just right. do something much more tangible. And I think that there's room yeah. for both, but there's also only so many hours in the day. And so that's kind of all ah, the thing. It's like, I can't do all of it all the time. I have to make choices. Yeah. And I'm also, of course, limited in, there, there's just limitations in life. We can't be everything in every moment. Right. But at some point, Very hopefully true. we can be everything you know, maybe not at once, but hopefully in the course right. of things, it all comes together. So anyway, um, exactly. I wanted to close out by just, um, you know, sharing a little bit about, you know, what are you up to? Do you have any projects coming up? Um, where can people find, you know, your work and book a session or your website or, you know, like what, what's going on? What's what are projects that you're working on? And what's kind of exciting coming up for you in, in the future? Where are you at in life? And um, how can people get in touch with you? What do you offer as far as readings and, and etc? That's kind of a...
1: Yeah. Uh, so as far as what I'm doing in the metaphysical world, um, all of that can sort of, I can be found and more information on that can be found at my website, which is lux10.com. It's lvxtn.com. Um, it's also my Instagram is Lux Tenabras. It's lvxtenebras, and that's where I'm doing tarot readings and Reiki healings, um, and also working with and selling crystals, gems, and minerals for metaphysical healing purposes, etc. And then I work at Bodhi Spa and Yoga doing readings and healings as well in Hudson um, and then my musical projects right now I have a band called um, Black Math Horseman and we're getting ready to announce our next album which is exciting and um, I have another project called Luxury which is more like art pop which is called L- which is L V X U R I. URI um, that's Instagram and the website. And um, those are my main, those are my mo- main creative and metaphysical outlets at the moment.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been incredibly fun and rewarding. And uh, it does feel like we've covered a lot of ground. And, and that's, absolutely that's, that's a good feeling. You're like, all right, we, we covered some topics. And we did I definitely kind of get this feeling of, you know, there's this sort of like labor, like, I feel like working through working through things is a big part of what I felt like was coming up. And I really enjoyed that, mm, you know, it's like trying to keep definitely. it, keep it, keep it a little challenging, but not too challenging, you know? So it's right. keeping, keeping it fun and, and, and playful, but we're not like, you know, it shouldn't be too laborious. You know what I mean? So it's finding that,
1: Absolutely. that sweet
0: spot. Anyway. Um, thank you so much for coming on and um, look forward to staying in touch and all that. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Thank,
1: thank you for having me Tola. I'm honored to be the first guest.